This is Preambling, where we turn our useless banter into a whole show so we can cut the fat from our normal episode. In this episode, we talk about the Banana Republic of the Frozen North, the mundanity of Theoden's revival in LOTR, the manliness of warrior kings, the subtlety of magic in Tolkien's world, the completely unsubtle way Drosselmeyer wrecks shop against the Order, and what kind of books we would write if given the chance, or, in fact, our writing. Enjoy. Hello, grace and peace. We're taking Anarchy to Church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. I'm Josh, a.k.a. Iowan Cap. And I'm Jeff Park, a.k.a. Uh, keeping Will Smith's wife's name out of my mouth. You know, it was nice of them to uh, get into a fight so that um, everyone could remember that the Oscars were still a thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you think it was a put up job? Oh, no. It, I, oh, I don't care. Either. Irrelevant. Okay. <laughs> Whether it was okay. un- intentional or not. Yeah. I just flipped yeah, side the screen we were on because I re- uh, Literally, but- I saw a church curmudgeon make an Oscars joke. Um, and then I saw the Will Smith slap. And those are the reasons I knew the Oscars yeah. were on. Uh- <laughs> yeah. No one cares about this self congratulatory garbage anymore. So the only interesting thing about it is if they get into a fight on stage. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I wondered, I wondered when I saw it, and then I saw a lot of tweets wondering too. I, I wondered when I saw it, if it was a put up job, because it's, it looked maybe a little like it, but I actually don't think that's what happened. I actually, <laughs> I don't, it seems, 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 seems like, Seems like he didn't get the joke because one of the reasons I thought it was a put up job is it looked like he was laughing at the joke. But I, I think that's just the I know the cameras are on me. I'm going to laugh at this joke because I can tell it's a joke. Then he got the joke. Then he gets up and slaps him. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's what I think that's what happened. And uh, and so I no longer think it was a put up job. But for a second, I did just because I don't believe anything I see basically ever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. But um uh, but but anyway, mostly it serves as a healthy reminder to keep redacted out of your mouth. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I have so many feelings, but I'm going to, uh, to keep them all well, locked I wondered, away. I wondered what I could bait you into saying on this topic. <laughs> keep them all locked away. <laughs> I'm just going to say, you know. Nope, not even gonna say that. All right, so uh, <laughs> we are we are preambling. Um, this uh, what what's going on in the world? Well, so uh, I guess v- relatively new news as as we record um, is um, that um, member of provincial parliament in Ontario. Uh, Randy Hillier um, is being asked to turn himself in for arrest for having spoken to the truckers crusade. I'm, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure if they're accusing him of something more than that. Um, But, but uh, this is, um, I mean, 
once again, the parallels with if it happened over there, um, uh, we're, we're talking about jailing a opposition politician for opposing the government. Mm-hmm. Um, jailing a garbage, a provincial opposition politician for, so we don't have the details yet. Um, but you know what? I'm, I'm going to imagine that as based as Randy Hillier might be, um, that he did not, um, that he did not form a gunpowder plot to blow up parliament in Ottawa. That's a joke. I'm not suggesting that that would be based. Thank you, Fed. Um, but, uh, uh, but, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that they don't have something like that. I'm assuming that he's being arrested for political speech against the government, which mm-hmm. is insane. I can't believe, I can't believe that that's possible in my country even if it's a country I don't particularly want to be in um, <laughs> that I would like to secede from. Um, uh, I, I, I can't, I can't, uh, I didn't, I wouldn't have believed that that was possible again. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds like banana Republic stuff, but yeah. Like, so banana republics at least someone might stay there because they can grow bananas we can't even do that here it's a yep. frozen frozen wasteland the only reason anyone has ever lived in canada is because of freedom yeah there's literally no other reason to live here <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah man it's 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 wild what we see going on like this is there's some crazy stuff going on in the supposed free world. Um, yeah, it's... But, <laughs> you know, um, we've always been aware that this is the nature of the state. Like, this is where we are of prepared course. for this sort of thing, is we're not... Um, we're not out here thinking that these guys are... That this is a benevolent institution. You know, it's a... Uh, as Dave Smith often says, uh, the mafia masquerading as a human rights organization. Right. And, and yeah, if yeah. you protest outside uh, a mafia house, then this is the sort of thing you expect. So like, yep. yes, we should be, we should be less surprised, but mm-hmm. these, these comforting little fictions have always been, um, have always been blessings. Honestly, they're mercies from the Lord that that the blood-soaked monsters feel the need to pretend to be a human rights organization. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually a mercy, right? That that um, um, as as corrupt and awful and and rights abusing by nature as democracy is the fact that it needs to pretend <laughs> to be what it claims to be to try to try to live up to the advertising material um is a blessing <laughs> that that it that it has to make that attempt that it has that it has to that democracy has to pretend to provide the legitimacy that it claims um, mm-hmm. um and and so 
when it stops <laughs> pretending, um, it, it's it's hard not to feel like perhaps a time of great collapse is coming. <laughs> um, yeah, but and I, and that's that's why I think um, that um, thinking through these things in an unvarnished, unpropagandized way is more important than ever um mm-hmm. to to be prepared so that so that your thinking is prepared for a time of great collapse yeah yep yeah and yeah it's uh it yeah uh meanwhile um we are still waiting for a response from paul carter about the uh Bruxy situation Still waiting on a comment, unless he has done so on a podcast that I've not heard of, but I'm not listening. I'm not searching. I'm just updating the the Paul waiting for Paul Carter to wait on to respond to uh, the Bruxy KV situation. Um, maybe we need a novelty. Any... Maybe we need a novelty Twitter account. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if there's any updates on that situation, but um... no, I checked. I didn't check today. Because yeah. I, I don't want to get worked up <laughs> against That's someone fair. who I still think is a brother on the Lord's Day, uh, but <laughs> That's uh, fair. but uh, um, but uh, um, but uh, I I checked. It was either Friday or Saturday. Um, uh, I checked uh-huh. uh, to see if if there was anything more, and and there wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, we keep we keep waiting. We keep, um, yeah. Um, so, uh, oh my God. Uh, is Jeff talking about the pastor who says Jesus doesn't care if you believe in God to get with God? No, I'm not. (laughs) Is that, uh, is that the dude who I tweeted, I, I retweeted him? Yes, and and yeah. said and said like the first couple syllables of what he said, and then said swipe. Swipe, <laughs> and then he responded. Either he's uh, re- respond trolling by response, or he's did not read he, my tweet, or because he said thanks he for that, sharing. He, he did that to the uh, he did that to the guy that you shared him from, yeah, a, as well, and um, and he's telling telling his minions to go like it when he when he does that uh-huh yeah i think it's fun that he thinks that's going to make him look better yeah uh, I, I, the whole concept of having minions is hysterical to me um <laughs> yeah i had my own i had my own troll this week that was fun called me a traitor oh i, I saw that on twitter yeah, that was because fun. of your pin tweet yeah, yeah. So where I said I love you, America, which is a weird he, thing. Yeah, how did he find you? How did he find you to be triggered by your pin tweet? I, 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 I probably responded to him in a thread somewhere. Okay, um, and you know those guys who are just like then they'll go to your profile and then they'll do a bunch of a flurry of responses. I think he only found one thing that he really wanted to respond to. I don't even remember what the original thing was i uh he you know he's drumming the wars for 
or drumming the drums of war for Ukraine somewhere, and I don't, I don't care. Uh, you know, it's the whole ac- accusation of being a Putin shell, uh, accusing yeah. me of being a traitor that I just, I don't know, whatever, bro. I don't, I don't care. Your your opinion does not affect me enough for me to care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know whose opinion uh, would affect me? Theoden's. Uh, oh. So I've got oh, oh, a book yeah, I was here. Early. I was early. I was early. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I did that on purpose. I uh, I definitely okay. <laughs> definitely juked on you. So I was reading my to my children uh, from the Lord of the Rings. Well, to my oldest from oh, the Lord of the Rings. So I'm going to just interject here because when am I ever going to get another chance to say it? It's not like we record 14 hours of content every week. Uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, is uh, so because uh, this is, of course, us, uh, um, uh, us, uh, you know, in the uh, uh, showing in the combine that's a sports reference for you there josh that's 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 i guess the best reference and so from we're Iowa, showing off our combine it's a very different thing uh true true here too uh but uh um uh, not not calgary specifically but yeah just outside um is uh, um, uh but yeah so but the uh, the nfl combine where you where you show off your skills your 40 speed how high you can jump all that kind of right. stuff basically glorified track and field but in pads um uh, and uh, and uh and and so you're you're showing off to the potential teams that might might hire you is that's what we're kind of doing here for for potential advertisers of course because, obviously because we're um we're good capitalists who believe in the division of labor which Mm -hmm. look i i have benefited from (laughs) finally that division of labor instead of having to shave my own face you should all appreciate it greatly but um yes yes exactly um gotta say it's not a terrible sponsor we we could we could product place constantly um (laughs) but but uh the (laughs) so um uh so yes this is where we where we uh uh show off our skills at at a but i got to do that in real life um <laughs> this week uh because someone um uh because okay um there was a magazine cover that a lot of politicians shared because it was attacking the other party um, but they didn't crop out um, the part of the magazine cover that was an advertisement for a sex toy. Um, and all these politicians were sharing this advertisement uh, for a sex toy. And so it led to uh, uh, a lot of jokes about talking about politics and then transitioning into inappropriate ads um, and to take it off of the sexual. Um, I, um, I tried out my own um, is, is uh, I said, uh, we're definitely headed for global nuclear war, which is why I wear blue block sunglasses to block out the harmful <laughs> rays. <laughs> Use the code mushroom cloud for 25% off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so again, Mountain Dew, 
Audi. It, it, you know, anyone, anyone, um, anyone who wants that state. kind of moonblock. Yeah. <laughs> any, any, anyone who wants this kind of just high class advertiser content, uh, absolutely. we're your guys. So yeah, anyway, absolutely. as I, as I, as I drink my completely coincidental beverage, <laughs> what do you have to read for us, Josh? Uh, yes. Uh, so I was reading to my, to my children uh, for, to my oldest child from Lord of the Rings, and we got to the chapter on the King of the Golden Hall and the um, the awakening of Theoden, uh, um, as 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 yeah, what uh, doesn't I don't know that it has a name, but that is, um, of course, the event, and of course, we uh. while reading it this time around, I it was I was struck by the fact that um it seemed a lot more mundane than the movies um portray it as so in the movies of course there's this bit he he's he's hobbled over and he's been aged and uh he's clearly he's in fact almost explicitly shows that he is under the control of Saruman and and so Gandalf actually casts a spell to essentially exercise um, uh, Saruman from Theoden. But when I was reading it, it struck me how, for one thing, that isn't clear from the book. First of all, it's not explicit. Second of all, it seems, uh. It seems to be much more of a mundane scene than that. And and yet in its mundaneness it 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 uh in its mundaneness it becomes almost more profound. And I think there's there's things to to notice about it. So of course he enters into they they enter into the um uh, Hama does, de- you know, make the decision not to take Theoden uh, or Gandalf's, um, Gandalf's staff, and that's that is part of that. Um, and then it says the. Let's see, where is it? Um, I'm trying to find a good place to start. So the travelers entered. Inside, it seemed dark and warm after the clear air upon the hill. The hall was long and wide and filled with shadows and half-lights. Mighty pillars upheld its lofty roof, but here and there bright sunbeams fell in glimmering shafts from the eastern windows, high under the deep eaves. Through the the louver in the roof, above the thin wisps of issuing smoke, the sky showed pale and blue. As their eyes changed, the travelers perceived that the floor was paved with stones of many hues, branching runes and strange devices intertwined beneath their feet. They saw now that the pillars were richly carved, gleaming dully with gold and half-seen colors. Many woven cloths were hung upon the walls, and over their Wide spaces marched figures of ancient legend, some dim with years, some darkling in the shade. But upon one form the sunlight fell, a young man upon a white horse. 
He was blowing a great horn, and his yellow hair was flying in the wind. The horse's head was lifted, and its nostrils were wide and red as it neighed, smelling battle afar, foaming water, green and white, rushed and curled about its knees. Behold Earl the Young, said Aragorn. Thus, thus he rode out of the north of the north to the battle of the field of Celebrant. Now the four companions went forward past the clear wood fire burning upon the long hearth in the midst of the hall. Then they halted at the far end of the house beyond the hearth and facing north towards the doors was a die with three steps and in the middle of the die was a great gilded chair. Upon it sat a man so bent with age that he seemed almost a dwarf. But his white hair was long and thick and fell in great braids from beneath a gold, a thin golden circlet set upon his brow. In the center upon his forehead shone a single white diamond. His beard was laid like snow upon his knees, but his eyes still burned with a bright light, glinting as he gazed at the strangers. Behind his chair stood a woman clad in white. At his feet upon the steps sat a wizened figure of a man with a pale, wise face and heavy-lidded eyes. So, this is the first glimpse of him, uh, of, of, uh, of, of Theoden. But as the story, as the the tale continues. Basically, he stands up and he's walking on a little, on a little, uh, he's got a little cane that he's walking by. And it seems like, like I said, there, there's no spells cast. The only spell that is really cast, and I've, I've noted this before, that, that Gandalf, most of his magic is either fire or it seems to be something along the lines of rhetorical flourish. Something that emphasizes words. No. <laughs> If for Tolkien, all the magic is rhetorical. Which, right. <laughs> but, like, the only spell he really casts in this scene is really, it's like, he brings forth light upon himself. There's thunder, and then there's a, a, suddenly he be, glows brighter, and it's like he stands taller than he was before, and his voice booms. And, and really, but in the midst of this, he's not casting any spells upon him. He's drawing Theoden out. And, and really, as, as uh, let's see, that as, as he, the whole, as it com continues, um, really, it seems like the real magic that ends up happening to Theoden is when he comes out of his hall into the cool air, the fresh air, and, and it seems like that is really where the magic takes place, right? That, that, that the magic is getting him out of his dark hall where the only interaction he has with his, um, with his people and, and uh, is what he gets from a mediator. Like, what's been happening is he's been hidden away in this dark hall Far away from the front lines of his forces, far away from the horses, far away from his his people, and Wormtongue has been just giving him everything, telling him like, he's become so dependent on his advisors that he has no firsthand knowledge or experience with, um, yeah, with with the uh, with his actual people, and it seems like his strength returns when his strength returns. It's it's the strength of manhood not mm. the strength of removing a a 
a uh, a spell or removing a an exorcism. It's that that's what that's that's the significance of your hands would be strong again if they gripped a sword. Right. Line comes in. It's like yeah. stop being this meddler and be a king. Like stop stop right. being a a uh, a bureaucrat. Like really, like really, that's, that's what's going on. Is he's he's become like he's got like Aomer doing these things. He's got Wormtongue doing these things. But he's just sitting in his dark room on his uh on his throne, far from the front lines, far from from far from the the his actual people and his soldiers, and he's become a bureaucrat. And I, I think it's it's and what I mean by it's it's so in the in the mundaneness it becomes more powerful. It's it's that there's no spell to overcome except for that he's become yeah is a bureaucrat. Like really this this what what is um the 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 continual um refrain is as is that every new person who does who, who hears that theoden son of thengel is going to war that he is going to war not his soldiers he has taken the battlefield like that brings energy to his people and joy to them is that he is being a king he is being a man and not this this shell of a creature that 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 he he had become and it's hard in that not to hear a critique of the bureaucrat of 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 tolkien's day right like the the one who's willing to send his soldiers out to die but he depends entirely on his advisors does not have any first hand uh interaction won't hit won't go on the field of battle himself stays far from there and 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 yeah and and there's there's a a, a weakness and a shriveled upness of it that is that he's he's calling for more of a actual kingship i guess you could say if that makes sense yeah yeah okay so many so many threads to chase here uh yeah <laughs> um i mean you've got the obvious um david parallel right. Where, right where david is away from the battle that his role as king was to give peace on every side that was that was the great david that he was to be to prefigure that part of that aspect of the messiah um was that uh that he was he was to be he was to give them peace on every side um mm -hmm. <clears throat> and he would do that through warfare which is why he's not allowed to build the temple because he's mm -hmm. a man of blood um yeah and and that's not that's not a bad thing the, right. the bible never says it's a bad thing right that david sheds a lot of blood <laughs> it's a mm -hmm. good thing he's that's his role that's what he's supposed to do yeah. but it is a distinct thing that yeah. that um um that uh um that god is intentionally separating those mm -hmm. 
roles um, in in the way that he does all throughout the Old Covenant scriptures to show that one person isn't going to be all of these things for you. Yeah. That's idolatry. Um, right. But uh, uh, but they're all pointing towards mm-hmm. a greater fulfillment of each of them. Yeah. Um, and and so so that was David's role. He was supposed to be he was supposed to be out in the thick of it, out in the mm-hmm. battle, and he's not. And that's when he falls into sin with Bathsheba, mm-hmm. and when he uh, murders through. Mm-hmm. And note, Christians seem to be very comfortable with calling that a murder. By the way, but it's not a traditional murder; it's military orders. He yeah. gives military orders that result in murder. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's interesting. It's interesting how comfortable Christians are um, saying that and ex- uh, until you try to apply that to any modern leader. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, we'll leave that aside. That's a whole nother show. And you get to watch mm-hmm. it as a bonus episode after this. Uh, but <laughs> but, uh, um, it, but uh, yeah, so the so that's the um, that's the first thing I uh I, I wanted to point out is is I I, I see more more than you'd get from the movie mm-hmm. from the passage you read. I see the connections with uh, with David, um, and 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 with um, and with falling into lies and deceit from an enemy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> while being away from where he was supposed to be. Right, right. And there's something severely broken about our modern world and the fact that kings don't go to war. Mm. Like it creates this, this culture of cowardice of people sending young men to die on their account without, um, without any compunction whatsoever. Like there's no risk to a king who won't go out to war. There's no identification with, with his people for a king who won't go out to war. And there's there's also something like I could we could connect this also to the to the problem of megachurch and even large church pastors who you know you don't you don't really go to war with your people like you're not battling sin alongside your people you're not battling for marriages alongside your people and that does create a, a weak kind of man and and for all them for the truth is. Uh, whatever uh, Dr. Dumais says, warfare metaphors are all over the Bible for a reason. <laughs> there is um, there is something intentional that we're supposed to get. If anything, if anything, if anything, we translate them. We, if anything, our translations have toned them down because. Right. The most common warfare metaphors you're going to get throughout the entire Bible is that Yahweh is called Yahweh of armies. Yeah. And we don't say it that way. (laughs) Yeah. That, that is, so we say Lord of hosts and we, and we let ourselves, and that's, that's only the, the best (laughs) slightly off translation of that. Yeah. Um, uh, But, but even with Lord of Hosts, we can let ourselves think that um, that uh, it's like, yeah, he's got like a choir or something. Don't think about mm-hmm. it too much. Like, <laughs> like, um, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, but no, he's leading an 
army. He's leading. He's 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 leading yeah. an army of of beings that if that anytime humans, no matter how many humans see one of them, yeah, <laughs> are shaking in fear and begging for mercy. Yeah, <laughs> um, Yahweh um, is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. Like that's yes, that's who he is. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, if anything, um, if anything, the, the ESV, which, uh, Demay seems to hate, <laughs> um, actually, actually under translates the, uh, the warrior metaphors in, yeah. in the scriptures. Um, and, and so, so yeah, like you can, you can either, um yeah you, you, you just if you want to be a believing christian you basically have to deal with that reality is that yeah. is that um is that um warfare is a metaphor yeah for opposition to evil yeah not not the other way around <laughs> um that that um that warfare is the the metaphor that god has used to uh mm -hmm. to help us understand what opposition to evil is to be mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. an unrelenting merciless yeah. opposition yahweh is a warrior yahweh is his name that is what the scriptures say and um and the war becomes a spiritual war in the new covenant instead of a Earthly war yeah. is in the old covenant, but it is no less a war. It is a war. And, right. and there's a, you know, yeah. I mean, there's the more you separate yourself from the battle alongside your, you know, your people, the more it, it creates bureaucrats. And I'm, I'm, I'm more and more just against bureaucrats. Uh, uh, politically, uh, ecclesiologically, uh, and and just it, you you gotta be among your soldiers. Like that's just gotta be. Uh, I'm also reading uh, Dune, and that's something of like uh, the 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 Duke comes down and spends time among the soldiers and, and interacts with his people. And it's, you know, it's, it's, I think it's an important, um, function of true kingship, you know, but okay. I, I do. I, you did just raise several threads. I wanted to follow and we can't spend that long on all of them <laughs> or this will, <laughs> this will be a, a two and a half hour preambling. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, what another, another thing you mentioned is, is how much more subtle it is in the books, And that's something that's just constant in the books is that the, um, the magic is very subtle. And I think yeah. that's almost intentional that, because Tolkien isn't trying to have magic that breaks the laws of physics of his universe. They are deeply consonant with the laws of physics of his universe. That's mm -hmm. how the magic works. The magic you're, yeah. you're singing in harmony with the song that brought 
this element into existence and that's how you channel it into magic and that's why uh that's why the magic is is subtle and um and uh, the, so the the river bruinen thing that that arwen does in the movies um maybe happens like that we don't get it in the book because frodo is not awake for that part and and he's the point of view character um um and so or the point of view character the only point of view character at this point in the story at least um and so so we don't we don't get that um we don't get that fully but it, it sounds like maybe something like that happened um but it took Gandalf and Elrond and and everyone who could do magic all doing it together to get that to well, happen. Was, yeah, Gandalf and Elrond, and especially Elrond was able to do it so, and this is the other thing that I'm going to say, is like is also the magic is in the world. Like, even yes. in that in Theoden's see, the scene, like what is the real magic that brings him to life is getting out of the hall into the open air and feeling the wind yes. on, his, on his cheeks. And and uh, what makes Elrond able to cast that spell in the Bruinen is that this is his domain, this is yes. his land. He is the lord of the land, and so uh, yeah, and so th- there's there's something to that too, right? And so yeah, you're right. The yeah. the magic is subtle because he's emphasizing the magic of the world, and this is very much a right. theistic way of thinking of the world too. The music of the spheres, yeah, was. <laughs> was was how even science was conceived in the in the middle ages right is is like um that there that there is a there is a music there is a rhythm that that permeates creation um and we're getting at it we're not Mm -hmm. inventing things we're not discovering things (laughs) we're 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 hearing things Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're hearing things that are already there um yeah and uh and so, yeah, and 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 then that's I think that's why um, the Istari specialize in certain kinds of magic. And you talk about how Gandalf uh, really specializes in fire, light, smoke, mostly, yeah. right? Um, and um, and that's um, and that's interesting because um, he's going up against Saruman here. It's it's Saruman's leechcraft. That is, um, uh-huh. that is, uh, uh, at least my recollection is that that's the same in, in the books is that that's, that's not a departure for the movie, that it, it's ultimately Saruman who's, who's working, yeah. working it's on just much more here. subtle. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's much more subtle. Exactly. Yeah. Same. And, um, and so, um, yeah, he's certainly not like casting through a palantir and, right. and getting knocked right. back and but but what yeah. is happening and i i i, I kind of allow for poetic license there because it's yeah. cinematic and people wouldn't get it if it happened the way it happened yeah. in the book people wouldn't get it on a, in a movie so i it, i allow the license there yeah, um, i'm not criticizing but, the movies i'm just pointing out no, this difference yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and in a book you can be much more subtle with these things um and so uh so the uh so so it's uh so it's gandalf going up against saruman so it's it's light going up against persuasion and and craft so that's kind of saruman's 
bailiwick, right? So, so you've got this hint that maybe he might be evil just from that because that's what Sauron's good at. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So, um, and 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 Saruman is, uh, I believe, uh, Kenya for uh, for for man of craft or male of craft. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and so, so, it, but it's, but, um, what the, what the book shows you is that he very subtly, but very powerfully influences people, subtly reads their minds and emotions, subtly tells them what they want to hear, subtly empathizes with them, says that he feels their pain. Um, so, mm-hmm. so he's, so he's got, got this very subtle but very powerful kind of magic there and it's light ultimately that overcomes it interestingly enough right um so i think i i I think that's a that's a Mm. uh an interesting so um so Mm. craft and persuasion um can uh like sunlight is the best disinfectant is the Mm -hmm. uh louis 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 brandeis uh quote Mm -hmm. um but uh thank you patrick i appreciate that um <laughs> but but uh i could tell there must be i was <laughs> i could tell there must be something um but uh, uh but yeah so uh so anyways so that that's interesting um that's yeah. interesting too is that you've got a if you you've got a um uh you've got light properly disposed <laughs> um uh casting out deception basically right and mm-hmm. so so that's um i found that i found that interesting i can keep moving if you until you have no. something no nope. okay um uh is so in the book in the book his hair doesn't go back from being white no, it's his hair is still he, white because I think that's yeah. I think that's interesting because white hair, like for for Tolkien and his worldview, white hair is not bad for a king. Right, <laughs> right. White hair right. is not is not is is um, gray hair is a crown of glory. Um, the yeah. um, the uh, uh, oh, it's the um, the glory of young man is is their strength yep. um, and the glory. Um, and the glory of old is their gray hair. Um, and, uh, <laughs> um, you know and, we can't uh, read that, Patrick. You know no, we can't. No, we absolutely cannot read that one out loud. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, <laughs> you're, you're, uh, um, you're joking about forbidden things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not don't don't think less of Patrick, listeners. Not not forbidden by sane people. Um, uh, <laughs> just, as in he's just tempting the wrath of Fauci. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, uh, so anyway, the um, uh, so I thought I, 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 that that was just a little thing that I caught where where because white hair is not bad yeah. for yeah. it's not it's. Um, uh, the white hair is not a symptom of of uh, him being out of touch yeah, or something like. And I, I yeah, think yeah. so. I think that's just a subtle 
cultural yeah. <laughs> difference. Um, yeah, absolutely. Be- between Tolkien and, and Jackson. <laughs> well, um, Jackson has to deal with the fact that we live in a culture that worships youth. And I yeah. would say though, I would, I appreciate that he still went with an older actor for Aragorn. Sure. Cause it, it, not oh, as old as Aragorn is in the book, but <laughs> but still well, an older character. <laughs> yeah, well, trembling yeah. around a coffin would have been difficult. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but okay. So, um, and and so, yeah. So I think we got this is good. Um, if you want to know more about what Patrick was joking about, however, you can read the <laughs> chat by going to buymeacoffee.com slash flyover and for one dollar a month you can have access to all of our streams as they happen to be part of the chat or to read the chat after the fact instead of just seeing us laugh and shake our head at it and sometimes quote it and i believe for five dollars a month you can tell patrick what to joke about in the chat oh wait i'm not sure that's what it is Um (laughs) (laughs) well you can certainly try um (laughs) So the the magic of Lord of the Rings is subtle. Yeah. You know what magic isn't subtle? <laughs> the magic that happens in this chapter for this week of the Curse of the Rat King. I mean, speaking of magically unsubtle, that, that transition was amazing. <laughs> the transition. But seriously, chapter 25, there is no subtle magic here. It is a brawl. As we talked about at the end of the last chapter, the order arrives and they're going to try to muck up the plans, except for, of course, we know that they were planning for them. But it turns into a knockdown drag out. First of all, though, before before it goes to that, uh, Fritz does a little bit, or Drosselmeyer does a bit of work in uh, pitting the order against each other and showing the cracks in their alliance. Um, and, to, and to show that Borea was trying to was starting to play them against each other, but trying to keep it all secret. But then once it goes to an actual battle, the uh, the the apprentices start to go to battle. But of course, they have a life bond. This is part of their their this universe. Each apprentice has a life bond to their uh, to their uh, wizard. And so they can't hurt them. And so they're all having to fight each other's wizards. And so at some point, Baroda joins the fray and he tells them, I don't think I have to remind you that the life bond only count or only affects your own wizard. And so they, it is a brawl. It is magical brawling like crazy. And it's so, so much fun chapter where what is it? i'm in chapter 25 and it is a fun fun chapter of of fighting and battle and um as was kind of um previewed it earlier in the book we find that the apprentices it, it kind of was interesting is the apprentices because they have been so uh treated so poorly by their wizards they actually are the far better fighters their their mm. wizards have have become soft but they are tougher um however they have to go without farouk because farouk gets sent away by borea right at the beginning of the chapter and so it is a kind of a five on five battle 
with uh, a Baroda on the side of the apprentices. And in the end, um, there's kind of a, a sweet moment um, between uh, Fritz and and Baroda, um, because of course the Black Wizard doesn't show, and they wanted him to because they wanted to deal with and the Black Wizard. And and in fact, Fritz says to Baroda uh, after he caught says he did he didn't show the Black Wizard didn't show. Baroda chuckled and began to wave his hands over Fritz's chest. What is the saying about the best laid plans? Fritz struggled to stay upright. I was hoping we could end this today. I really wanted you to get revenge for Perrin. Baroda quieted him. There's still time. Let's just enjoy the victory. Fritz started to laugh, but cut it short, wincing at the pain. He surveyed the wreckage and chaos around them. Yeah, I really did great here, didn't I? I suppose we could have done worse. Baroda began to heal several wounds on Fritz. The order was broken and unconscious. The apprentices were injured and spent, but alive. Soldiers still struggled against icy prisons and viney tethers. The czar moaned in the distance and lolled his head around. Baroda gripped Fritz by the shoulders and stared into his dark green eyes. Even if I never get revenge for Perrin, I am still proud to call you Drosselmeyer. A glowing blue blade poked through Baroda's chest. He stared at it for a moment and slumped forward. Fritz screamed and caught him as he fell. Baroda's skin turned ashen. His eyes glazed over. Because at that moment, the Black Wizard does arrive. And what happens next? Well, you're going to have to go get yourself a copy because next chapter is where the big battle happens. And I'm excited. I'm excited to read it. It's, it's a decent amount, but this is the last chapter. The next week, we are in the last chapter of Drosselmeyer, Curse of the Rat King. And my worry did not come true. We did not delay long enough for him to write his, and publish his second book. And so we are we we will finish this last chapter, but then we're done we're done with the book for a little while when until he comes out. And so, but we but you know you you always want to keep your um your momentum going, right? You want to keep on it. Um, it's, and so we thought it might be cool to actually start a, a different book. Uh, in fact, this is this is partly going back to Katie Room's question to us um, in our AMA episode. Uh, episode 50 or 51, I don't remember which one it was that we answered this particular question, but she asked if we would be willing to do reviews of other books, like uh, Drosselmeyer. And of course, we, we started this because um, because Paul Thompson is a friend of our show, and we, we interviewed him in, I forget which episode, number some 40-something. Um, but, but it was a good question. And oh, by the way, Katie Room, uh, if you are watching this live as it comes out on Wednesday, this past Monday, uh, our friend Patrick at Cave to the Cross, the famous Patrick from the chat, he interviewed Katie Room uh, on his show, Cave to the Cross Apologetics, and uh, I'm really excited for it. Uh, by, by the time this episode has come out, I will have watched it, but as of right now, I'm just excited to watch it. Uh, but so, so definitely go watch that. Um, and, and I'm sure it's gonna be great. All of Patrick's interviews are phenomenal. Um, but because, but, um, inspired by that question, we thought, well, um, what better book to, to go to? And in, and in many ways we're, we're kind of thanking, uh, in thanks to Katie for, uh, asking these such good questions. We decided we're going to take, uh, a run at, 
Uriel's Revenge uh, by David Room. That's, of course, Katie's uh, husband. And uh, this is the, uh, he's written a series of books called The Cliptic. And uh, we are going to we're going to read Uriel's Revenge. You know, maybe, maybe we'll only read the one book. Maybe we'll read both books. I don't know. We'll see how how quickly we can get through the one book and see if uh, um, uh, Paul Thompson decides to drop another book on us in the time being, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll kind of feel it out. Um, but we're, we, we grabbed a copy of it. I just bought the copy myself and it is on sale on Amazon in the Kindle version for two ninety nine. That's $3 for the Kindle version. And, uh, and, and we asked David and Katie, and this is the best place to go to find that. And so $3 for that book. And we're going to start working through it. As soon as we finished the curse of the rat King, we're going to, we're going to start working through it chapter by chapter, the same way that we did, um, Drosselmeyer. Of course, we'll see how quickly we go through the chapters, but, uh, and this time maybe Jeff will read with me. We'll see, you know, uh, yeah, I, I think I will this time. Yeah. <laughs> but for only three dollars there's no reason not to go grab it man that's that is cheap as dirt and uh it's, it is a digital copy if you're not like uh if you're if you like the the paper thing uh i get that i kind of like the paper thing too but um but still for three dollars it's quite a bit three dollars um, that's only three months of being a supporter of the anarchist bible study that's right man which, which is basically one of the most valuable things in the world um and, and and so so, and so if it's three times the price, it must be three times as valuable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I trust it is. And, and Patrick <laughs> in the chat says chat says that maybe he'll blog chat uh by chapter with the show. That'd be that'd be nice. cool. Um so there we we'll, go. we'll have both of us going. So yeah, that's what we're gonna go to next. Um so we've got one more week of Curse of the Rat King, and then we'll get into it. And let that be a lesson to you. Um, if you want two female listeners to a show, ask a good question for our annual AMA, uh, <laughs> and you get your husband to write two books, we might read one of them. That's right. There I'm it sure is. that's very actionable advice for so many of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> gold silver precious stones abs subscription patrick says in the chat those are the valuable things in this world yes uh <laughs> I, I i've got i've got all of my savings in bitcoin gold and abs um, <laughs> <laughs> that's to be clear not a great investment <laughs> you're not gonna get much return for that one uh <laughs> In terms of financials, uh, in terms of spiritual blessings, though, quite and, the returns. And the social and emerge, uh, social and emotional learning uh, is invaluable. <laughs> oh, but you know what? This flows actually really nicely into our AMA <laughs> for the week. It does. Uh, I didn't even plan this transition, but it's perfect. Uh, so, you know, we talked about, you know, if, you, if you're one of the few female listeners, you just get your husband to write a book. Well, the AMA from our good friend, Patrick, uh, <laughs> where anarchists legit say, what is a woman? 
Uh, that's the person who who's uh, teaching your kids. Um, and let's see. Uh, our AMA from Patrick for the week. Uh, we're on number seven. So, and his question is, if you were to write a book, both fiction and nonfiction, what would you like it to be about? If you were to write a book, both fiction and nonfiction, what would you like it to be about? It's a really good question. <laughs> uh, Jeff, how about, how about let's do like this. Let's start with nonfiction. Okay. And then go to fiction and let's take turns. So like, I'll let you go first. Uh, what nonfiction book, if you were to write a book, what would it be about? Nonfiction. I, We've got ideas I think, plural for this one. <laughs> I'm sorry. Or books plural. We've got plural ideas. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Nonfiction. I think I will write this book. Um, um, and so I'll go ahead and, and throw it out there. Cause it's, it's not like I'm that afraid someone's going to steal the idea from me. Go ahead, please do. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I want to, I want to write a, uh, mercifully short book uh <laughs> that a pastor could read in one sitting on why christians shouldn't talk to cops mm. because i think too often christians find themselves in a position where they have to make a decision a lot of times you don't have a decision to make right they right come up to you know or whatever um and 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 you have to already know um but I think a lot of this happens where a Christian is at, like Randy Hillier asked to turn themselves in and they have to go in deciding whether they're going to talk to the cops or not. And like a good Christian, a lot of people are going to talk to their pastor about that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think too many pastors can't think of a biblical reason not to talk to cops. So I would like to, have something available that a pastor could pull off Kindle for a dollar or three mm -hmm. <laughs> um, in a um, in a pinch to be able to read when when someone comes to them with that question. Mm -hmm. And for those who know a little bit about my personal life, um, you will know I have I I can I can speak from experience on <laughs> on yeah. this topic. So um, so. Uh, um so yeah i think um i think uh that would be that would be the the non-fiction book that i passionately feel needs to exist <laughs> mm -hmm. um so much so that i'm almost surely as as soon as um it wouldn't get me fired as a client by a by a a uh member of the bar, um, almost certainly going to write this book. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's a, it's a good idea. I mean, I, I don't want to talk too much about it because we could go too far afield, but it, it really is a situation where like Pat, uh, especially Christians with this sort of like, well, I'm trying to submit to authorities think that it's a good idea, but it really isn't. The system is not set up to be in your favor. There's a reason why, um, this, there's, uh, uh, I, I think movies are made this way or TV shows are made this way in order to make you think that only the guilty ask for a lawyer. But there's a reason why the wisest thing you can say when a cop pull, brings you in is 
I am not speaking without a lawyer. I would like to call my lawyer. The system is not set up for your advantage. Mm-hmm. And, and like, let's, let's take a look. Pretend we're not anarchists here. Pretend we don't have a state, a anti-state bias. Just exactly. think about the j- fact that the cop's job is to investigate. And that's how I want to write it, by the way. Crime. I'm not trying to sell a pastor on anarchism in right. one sitting. I want to write it as if you yeah. are a, you are a normie pastor, um, which is a perfectly good yeah. thing to be. And I want to sell you on why you should not advise yeah. your congregation. You talk to the cops. Yeah. And your friend, the co- your friend, the cop might be a perfectly good person, but as soon as they become cop to yeah. you, as you yeah. are the uh, object of their investigation, their job is to prove that you're guilty and to hand over that evidence to the ADA. Your your lawyer from that moment on is it's their job to prove your defense to prove you're innocent. That's the way the system works. Even in an ideal situation, that's the way the system works. So it is not in your advent your it is not to your advantage to speak to the cops without a lawyer present. And I think that's something that like people don't think about. The system is set up that it works best if you don't speak to the cops. And and as a pastor, your responsibility is not primarily to society at large. Your yeah. responsibility is to your church yeah. member. So it is so so it is better for your upholding of your responsibility yeah. to look out for their interest, yeah. which is get a lawyer, don't speak yeah. without a lawyer. But we should be careful or we're gonna write your book for you. Um yeah. so uh, <laughs> <laughs> um for my nonfiction that I, I'm writing, um it is my intention to write my systematic theology magnum opus one book at a time. It's kind of a, an idea I, I have, I want to do. So when you ask this question, the question, I mean, ultimately I would say I want to write a multi-volume massive systematic theology treatise, like, like old school systematic theology. Um, because I want to, um, uh, and, um, yeah, I, I want to, um, that's what I want to produce. And I want to produce it kind of book by book so that I can kind of specialize for a time and then work on that for a little while. And right now I am actually in the process of working through some of my, um, introductory material. Um, I am in fact writing two books right now. I'm, I'm about a chapter and a half into both of them. Uh, the first one is called, um, so I'll say it. I've got the title. It's called talking about God. And the subtitle is a primer on theology for people who don't have time for a primer on theology. And so it is meant to be an introduction to theology. Like in fact, like uh, I, I was explaining it to my, my lead pastor and he was like, so it's a, so it's like a, a short overview of systematic theology. I'm like, no, not even that. It is defining the word theology in such a way. Like it is defining the word theology in such a way as to show what it is and why you need to do it. And so once once I have that work written and ready to go, I, I, I'm going to self-publish. Uh, and once it's ready to go, you will probably hear about it on this show. <laughs> um, yeah. The other book I have is kind of an introduction to, or Wait, really, I, I could call it. Sorry, how how would we? Maybe we should be practicing how to sell books on the show, <laughs> right? 
That's that was, it sounds like a great idea. I wonder yeah. what it would look like if we were to do that sort of thing. Um, uh, but the other book I'm working on, <laughs> the other book I'm currently working on is is called is actually a and and I got I don't even know how to explain it. It is a summary of the gospel in but not for the sense of sharing the gospel or for the sense of getting an intro to the gospel like you would have it like I think uh Greg Gilbert's What is the Gospel is kind of the perfect introduction to the gospel for just a a person who wants to know what the gospel is. I have I I do not in fact what's funny is I read that book and I was like oh shoot someone wrote my book for me. Um but <laughs> But uh, but really what I'm looking at is more of a, like, again, it, the gospel on its way to a systematic theology, a Christian systematic theology. And that book is called Content, Call, and Consequence. And that's the other book that I'm working on. And I'm, and I'm about a chapter in, although I haven't really... Um, <laughs> yes, and I have actually sent the introduction to that first book uh, that I mentioned to Patrick, and he says, "Inside note, I promise I'm still looking over the intro. I believe you, brother. I believe you." <laughs> uh, but I, I think uh, the, the, the both of them are kind of like I said. I'm 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 trying to write my systematic theology one book at a time, and so I'm trying to write them in such a way that they can stand alone, but also sure. that they will fit into this larger systematic theology when I write it. And yeah, well, I was yeah. going to joke the first time you said that, that uh, so my first book is going to be called Prolegomena IA1. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ultimately, that's what it's going to be. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, and then and then you basically described Prolegomena IA1, yeah. um, <laughs> which is part of the reason why I have to do self publishing because otherwise I'd yeah. have to get permission of a publisher to include my old material into the longer sure. work. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, what if you switch publishers halfway yeah. through? One publisher closes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's 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 the the, the nonfiction that I want to write. I'm I'm also interested in in um uh some more practical works like on on prayer. I've got a I've I've done a a a a, 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 a short mini conference on prayer, and so I'm 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 interested in writing something on that. Um. Yeah, so that's my nonfiction. How about for fiction, Jeff? So, I actually was um, never actually going to write this, but kicked around in my head for multiple months the idea of writing, basically um, writing uh, basically the the real history of the discovery of the new world with, with all the religious aspects, all the theological aspects, mm. all this stuff that's driving all these people that never gets mentioned um, mm -hmm. in, in the histories, but set it in um, interstellar space travel has become pop become possible. And, and, mm. And and these factions 
which sounds suspiciously like Spain, England, Portugal, France, <laughs> but um, uh, but the these factions are are racing to populate whatever's available, and uh, but but to be able to really dive into these complex characters and the religion that was driving them and um mm-hmm. and and all that in in a much uh deeper and less cartoony way than than history books mm-hmm. tend to do um because yeah. I, I read a really i read a really good paper uh about the spanish um mm-hmm. that made me um Oh, I, I heard I heard this uh, guy on Tom Woods. That's how I found his paper. Um, oh he, yeah, I, I think I think he came on Tom Woods and was talking about. I think it was Tom Woods, um, and he was talking about the uh, the non cartoon version of the Spanish colonization of the New World. That mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. and and so that's probably what started it. Anyway, um, and um, and then. Um, I don't know. Uh, after I'd been kicking this around in my head for at least three months, um, someone described this TV show to me <laughs> um, um, called The Expanse, which sounded like ah. it largely stole my idea. But then I watched <laughs> it, and the religion part is the part they handled the worst. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the the people the people who wrote this, at least who wrote the show. I didn't read the books. Um, the uh, the people who wrote the show at least do not get religion in the slightest. Uh-huh. Um, um, and, uh, and, and so in theory, my, my, my book is still out there, but, but the, yeah. uh, um, but the, uh, it, it will certainly seem like an expanse knockoff if I would yeah. ever do it <laughs> because it's it, I, the, the idea I had was largely <laughs> the expanse yeah. like even, yeah. even just stealing the naval terminology and, and yeah. just making, making all the terminology, naval ter- terminology and all that yeah. stuff um, was all, <laughs> um, it was, was exactly what I was exactly what I was thinking, having, having these various factions, um and all that stuff but uh anyway so it was um um i i still think someone should write that uh fiction series mm-hmm. it would have to be a series i assume um uh, i think still think someone should write that fiction series so that i'll put out into so that yeah so that a talented fiction writer can run off with it and i'm perfectly willing to have you steal this one from me um, yeah yeah um yeah i i um I, I my first love was fiction. That's what I I thought I was um going to college for, um, and periodically I'll take a run at um a couple books that I've 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 got in my head. One of them I I have to write in fiction form because I'm not an artist and I don't know any artists. But I really picture it as a graphic novel. Um, I, I really see it more as a graphic novel. And then there's a couple other books. I I I uh I don't want to go too much. You know I always feel like self-conscious when talking about my fiction because i'm like i just you, you gotta you gotta see it i don't know you know it just <laughs> but um uh one of them was based on a dream that i had when i was in uh in college during my first year of marriage i had this really disturbing dream and uh i woke up and it like kind of like it was one of those dreams that like stuck with you all day like, it really just like disturbed my brain and um and the only thing i knew how to do to get it out was to write it down and so I started writing it down and, and I've plotted kind of multiple books 
for it, but I haven't really plotted this, the first book. Um, and that's where I kind of wish I had, a. if I, if I could find a partner, a, a, an artist partner. So maybe if there's an artist out there who wants to write a book with me, um, <laughs> you can, you can reach me at, at IOANCAP on Twitter. Um, but then I've got a, some other writing projects that I've, I've thought about. And if I had more time, I would do it. But right now it's just not that time. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's great. That's, uh, um, yeah. So we have spent so much time in preambling, but there is one last but thing we, for us to do. We need to spend one second saying that Patrick made another amazing Patrick pull here. Yeah. The episode of the Tom Wood show I was thinking about was an interview with Marco Bassani, professor of political theory at the university of Milan. Don't know how Patrick does that, <laughs> but, but Patrick he pulled up the Tom to, Woods episode I was talking about. It's interesting because he needs to get paid more for this job that he is essentially paying <laughs> us for. <laughs> That's, it seems not right that he's doing this for. Oh, that, that would be episode 1052 of the Tom Woods. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you can find that at tomwoods.com slash one zero EP, EP dash one zero five two. Oh, oh, that's, that's right. how he, that's how he formats them. The following conversation has been excerpted for a special preambling at number 7.5 edcuation in which we read a somewhat hilarious article. So you're going to want to tune into that tomorrow, but now back to preambling. Oh no, my head hurts from laughing. My head hurts from laughing. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh boy anything else for preambling no i think i think i think sufficiently this time <laughs> <laughs> oh boy well then enough preambling let's get to the show this has been preambling to listen to the rest of this episode, tune in to Anarchist Bible Study Episode 55, Grace and Peace.